Hey everybody, Jamie Kelly here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Season 3 of The Approximate Podcast. Be sure to join our Patreon for only $5 a month to see all of Season 3's episodes in full HD video. That's patreon.com slash approximate podcast. If you're already a patron, thank you so much for your support. And to everyone who's tuned in, we love you all. And now, on with the show. Kitty, fucking stop it. God damn it. Fucking cat. Yeah, you. Oi. <laughs> Scrapple. Stop it. All right, cut. We're done. Fucking cat. God damn it. I'm still very much learning about the industry and everything that goes into it and trying to meet all these new people um, and how to get in touch with them for like trade content or like to, you know, just to know them so that when I go to film with them professionally, like on a set, I'm not just like going in blind, you know? Right, right. Um, You've been very busy since then. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, pretty busy, mostly with just uh, my personal channels and stuff like that. So, yeah, doing I guess like doing the trade round. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm making my rounds. Yep. which is a much bigger thing nowadays. Yep, getting the bills paid. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, how'd you get your start in the industry? Um, oh, that actually kind of goes back a little. Little far, so oh, awesome story time! Yeah, yeah, ready for it. <laughs> so I kind of started doing sex work, um, pretty. I wouldn't say pretty young. I was like twenty two, maybe. I was like twenty two when I s- technically started. Same age, but like OnlyFans wasn't like a big thing. Not at all. Yeah, back then, and I was really only like selling like news and stuff through Snapchat and everything, and like. You know, people would like Venmo me for, you know, content, essentially. And I just kept doing that for years and years. And then I just officially like stopped when I started like actual, like working an actual job. And I was a waitress for a really long time at this small mom and pop shop um, over in Bingen, Washington, actually. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Super out in the boonies. Gotcha. So for people that don't know, uh, you're you're coming from the northwest coast. Yeah, right? the PNW. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Pacific Northwest girl. Um West Coast. Uh born there or yeah. Oh sweet. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I pretty much lived all up and down the Pacific Northwest my whole life. Like I've I've gone my parents moved around a lot too. Like they I wouldn't Go to like seven different schools, I think, in the yeah. course of maybe three years. Oh, I I can absolutely relate to that. I was in I was in a family that just every year it was a new school. Every year I had to meet a whole new group of friends. Yep. I get the moving around very chaotic. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of experience with the uh, Upper West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. When I was ten, I lived for about a year in Tacoma, Washington. Tacoma, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I do have very fond memories of like visiting Seattle and the Puget mm-hmm. Sound. And, and in fact, I was, I uh, don't want to give away my age, but everybody knows I'm fucking Methuselah. Uh, <laughs> but when I was a kid and living in Tacoma, literally, and I didn't find this out till years later, but just down the street from the house I lived in, 
Nirvana was just becoming a garage band. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was, wow. I, I had no idea that I was that close to that kind of history. It was right? a, a neat thing. Wow. That is super cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know that Nirvana originated in Tacoma. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tacoma and of course that whole larger like Seattle area. That's with, um, um, uh, Oh, what is his name? God, I, I sound like an asshole for not remembering yes. these names. Oh, no, no, no worries. No, it's, uh, you know, Kirk Cobain. Kirk Cobain, and, uh, yes, Chris thank Novoselic you. And, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I promise I listen to these people on the regular. <laughs> I just, I am so bad with names. It wasn't, isn't the drummer of the Foo Fighters, wasn't he, like, the original? Drummer? Yeah, he yeah. was the original yeah, drummer. Yeah, I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, old, old Dave. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave, Dave Grohl. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drummer for Nirvana and then, uh, and, for, and like a million other bands. He came from D.C. He came from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. and came in on one of many, many, many auditions for Nirvana. Yeah. They, they loved his power. They loved his sound. He was effortless and he just completed the band. And mm-hmm. that's the the threesome that we know of as nirvana and then I of course threesomes. yeah went on to <laughs> <laughs> went on to form the foo fighters and there we go yeah awesome so you said you you do a lot of self-producing now like what's some of your favorite scenes you've produced um probably uh probably my content with steve ricks is always top-notch because he's very professional, obviously, and he's super cute to work with. Um, he does really good work. He has a really nice setup, and I just love how, you know, professional grade it comes out. And we always have we have like really good chemistry too. So uh, it's always great. There's so many names in this industry. I'm not familiar with that one. Now, is this just? Uh, I'm going to sound like an ass. <laughs> is is he just like a a performer that just shoots his own stuff? Does he work for a company? Is he part of a like a larger oh yeah no he definitely he films for like biphoria and stuff like that like he's oh he's, he's a like, cinematographer he's like a behind the scenes oh no he's an actual performer he's, like, okay. he's, in, the, he's oh, in the okay, scenes okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah no he's um he's like a blonde he's blonde he's got a blonde beard he's super cute um but yeah he's like I'm going to send him a copy of this episode <laughs> and make sure that he <laughs> let him know how bad we fucked up his uh yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I always love the content that we make. Yeah. We have very good chemistry. Um, right. just, we became fast friends, essentially. Um, th- but yeah, all all my content with him always turns out top notch. That's such an underrated thing, too, like chemistry. You can't fake it. Yeah. You cannot fake it. You really can't. Like people can, like it surprised me how much the viewers can tell just by looking at the video that like, oh, this person is actually not really into it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things to tell performers uh, who I produce, the folks that I shoot when they're on set, especially like new folks and first time performers, is that, you know, you can wear all the makeup you want, but nothing beats like that organic feel. And the best makeup you could possibly wear is a genuine smile. Literally, that light up a scene more than lights and makeup. And oh, yeah, you go in with a good yep. smile, and you're paired with a performer that you actually have chemistry with. Bam, the scene sells itself. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 all the hard work right there. Most of my content that I film, like just that's not studio work. I don't really wear makeup for it. Really? Yeah, I actually am very against wearing makeup when I film because I don't like 
the messiness that comes with it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, you don't like the disheveled look? I, do, I, I think it's hot on other people, yeah. but not me. I get it, you know? I get it. Yeah. So are you into more like sensual stuff or uh, rougher oh, yeah. stuff? Or? Oh, yeah. No, I, I love sensual. I do like hot, a little hot. rough, but yeah. I, I've never been a fan of pain. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I hate pain so yeah. much. And but I do love like sensual play and like passion. I really love passion, and I right. feed off that. I feed off passion and biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. literally. Yeah. yeah, you can't not fake passion either. Passion mm-hmm. or chemistry, and that's just essential unto a good scene. Honestly, and like some of the performers that I work with, like regularly, have some of the best. We have like some of the best chemistry and like inner scenes and like passion, and that's why I continue to work with them. And I'm so skeptical of like working with new people just because I don't know if I haven't met them before, I should say. Of course. I'm just because I'm like, I'm very passionate and very like, you know, like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think a really good practice and maybe, uh, you know, for those who may be watching this or listening to it um, that are new to the industry, I think it's good practice, especially if you get hit up for trade content with somebody just kind of coming out of the blue is to like maybe set up a lunch, get to like meet them first, yes. see how you vibe before you agree to anything. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really I think important thing to do. Of course, know? do your research. Of course, leading yeah. up to that, and then set up some kind of lunch or exactly. coffee or something. Yeah, always yeah. be investigating. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. I've I've recently learned how important it is to do your research, yeah. mostly because like I need to see their dick and know what I'm getting myself <laughs> into. Because, like, not so brag, but I have I have a I have a tight pussy old tight girl club. I'm a tight, yes. I'm a, I'm a tight girl, and like <laughs> some of the some of the people that I worked with have been not so fun to work with just because of their size. Great chemistry, great rapport, but just like the size of their dick just like literally impales me. I feel like I'm being yeah. impaled. Takes yeah. you out of it, especially because you're not into pain at all. So yeah, yeah totally. if I was into pain, I'd probably be really excited for it. Like I'm into pain and I can take it during the, you know, scene, but after the scene, I'm like, oh God, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I do that? Yeah, you know why? $1,500. That's why you did it. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> you say that you're uh, going to be moving soon. I am, yes. You're getting out of the, uh, getting out of the West Coast, huh? I am. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of opportunity for studio work out there. There's a there is a good fair amount of other sex workers and that you can do trade content with, but the sad part is is that um most of them don't really know how to effectively produce and run their own show, let alone how to work with somebody else. Right, a big talent pool but no real infrastructure to get scenes appropriately shot. Exactly. So there's a lot of people willing to do the work, but nobody that knows how to do. Yeah. That, nobody like who knows how to turn the gears. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, no, like behind totally the scenes understand. professionals. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's a there's a lot of like what I like to call like talent moms, which oh. are those women who are like or men who are like, oh yeah, we should film together. I have an OnlyFans, but they don't post to their OnlyFans. They're oh. not even verified. They're just like wow. wanting to fuck. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Like, that's they like have the OnlyFans. This guy yeah. with camera stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, dude with camera. It's the stuff you avoid, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's and there's so much of that out there. Oh, and yeah. there really is. 
I I really don't want to have to go through the trouble of making like a dozen consent forms that oh my god right that I'm gonna have to you know keep on file and you know give those to you know OnlyFans and everything and so many people are sketched out by the fact that they have to like have a picture of them holding their ID. It's like no, I'm not gonna use this against you. This is for business. Okay, it's this- going in a drawer. No one's ever gonna see it. Exactly, yeah. and they're so afraid of having their and it's a lot of. Yeah. closeted guys who are seen mm-hmm. to trans women. Yeah. I'm straight, but yeah. yeah I'm straight, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> I'm straight, but yeah. check this out. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, there are and in a place like that, and it seems to be that there's a lot of them in like Oregon, Washington, the Pacific Northwest kind of area mm-hmm. that. They have the gumption, they have the drive, they want to do it, but they don't understand that it is first and foremost a business and that we are here to create a product and Mm -hmm. entertain. They're not entertainers and they see just because the bar is so low for entry to get into this business, Mm -hmm. they confuse lifestyle and a lot of them come as fans Mm -hmm. and they think they're going to just manifest the fantasy that they see when oh, they're looking exactly. at porn online. Yeah. And they completely com- like miscompobulate what it is to actually do the job oh, versus totally. what you see as in product. Yeah. Yeah. No, they totally, they glamorize the entire thing. Like, mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a lot of like, um, like Netflix did, does a ton of specials on like, you know, what it's like to be a porn star. And a lot of it looks very glamorized. In my opinion, a lot of it looks very glamorized when they don't actually go into like every little detail that goes into being a porn star. I think it's more sensationalized and glamorized because they, um, yeah, some of those documentaries on porn are just like, some of them are by anti-porn people. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. behind it. Absolutely. Like the ones with uh, Rashida. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah crazy Mm -hmm. it's all about making it as salacious as possible to get people to watch it without any care for the act for telling the truth yeah exactly they want they're in the business to entertain just like we are yeah but they're selling a false narrative in my opinion oh no absolutely in a way that's not okay because when we sell a false narrative it's understood we're creating fantasy when they sell a false narrative it's actually damaging yeah yeah for real people yeah yeah exactly livelihoods you know yeah uh, safety, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Going back to the point of like the barrier entry being so low, you don't know how many times, and I I talk about this because you've said that you've had experience in it too. Um, How many times a client will be like, oh, I want to shoot. Let's shoot. (laughs) Yeah. No, all the time. Like I started recently doing like um, stuff from my Snapchat, like a private snap. And, you know, which is also on sale for $3.99. Hey, there you go. Plug, plug, plug. There it is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, ever since I started doing that and, like, posting, like, nudes and small clips, it's, first of all, it's so easy to maintain. It's very easy oh, yeah. to maintain because you don't film anything over a minute. And if you do, it's all broken up into segments. Oh, and And it's just so easy to manage that. The only thing that takes a little while to do is to like respond to everybody, but bear with me, I'll get there. <laughs> and but see, the clients that ask us to actually shoot, they don't a lot of times don't understand that there's going to be you know high lights, there's going to be stop oh, yeah. and starting, you know, exactly. they're going to have to keep their dick hard for a certain amount of time, yeah. you know, they're going to have to not come so fast. <laughs> exactly, yeah. like 
I tell, you know, if, if someone is interested and I'm interested in either their aesthetic or like I see potential in them as a performer when they send a really good dick pic. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I see them have potential, you know, the first thing I ask them is, first of all, are you tested? Mm, of course. And if you're not tested, you need to be tested within 14 days. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, keep it a professional. Absolutely. Keeping it very professional. Yeah. And uh, you have to be willing to sign a consent form. I have to take photos of you holding your ID and front and back of your ID the same way that any studio would do it. Yeah, that's another thing too. They're like, oh crap, you gotta you gotta take photos of my face and photos of my ID and stuff. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, like yeah. that's not gonna end up on the actual yeah. page. Yeah. That's just for OnlyFans records to know I'm not fucking minors. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm like, I always tell them, I'm like, it's gonna be in a fucking drawer. No one's ever gonna see it. Exactly. And some of them jump, some of them catch on and they're like, okay, cool and yeah. you know, and the other ones are like oh i can't do that 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 took me out of it right there i was exactly. totally down for the pov blowjob and everything but exactly <laughs> as soon as they figure out that it's not a fantasy suddenly yeah. they're not into it it's yeah. like honey what did you think this was we are selling and creating a fantasy just for you Absolutely. and you want to be a part of it which i'm not against there's just hurdles that you have to jump through unfortunately oh absolutely i think with the all things in like the creative arts or art or especially in entertainment like forward facing you know media there kind of is and it's it's not going to sound fair but there is an it factor oh mm-hmm. there is oh, a bit yeah. of an it factor yeah exactly and everything is cool about like having that initial spark uh-huh. And then paying your dues and learning along the way, so long as you're vested in learning and discovering and trying to purposely do better and, like, being self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, everybody has to start Somewhere. from zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But eventually there's going to come a point where you realize, okay, I ought to be doing this. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that continue to do it that probably – never caught that train and Mm. they just they're just doing it because they're trying to again mostly it's going to be people that are trying to perpetuate a a lifestyle Mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah i I 100 agree with you like there's some people just have it in them and then some people unfortunately do not just don't and there's nothing wrong with that either and and there is a there i want to be as fair as possible there is a place for just about everyone not everybody's gonna be a top tier you know but if you if you can't be that Mm -hmm. but you can specialize in something and you make people happy dive into that thing that you're good at and you can still you know put a roof over your head and yeah and like be healthy and of sound mind within the niches of this business. Mm-hmm. They say niches make riches, but still it yeah. takes the same amount of discipline oh, yeah. to, you know, know what you can specialize in. Mm-hmm. Just the same way that people that are perceived to be at the very top, it doesn't some things come easy, but you still gotta work. work. I've seen I come easy. I <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the prettiest people that seem like they have everything going for them completely fail because they have almost everything it takes except their heart's not in it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it can, it, you see a lot of it on social media and it can be like, it can fool you. 
You know, yeah. you can look mm-hmm. at social media and go, oh, and you can start to do that thing where you get envious or oh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you look, but you oh, realize yeah. the, the more people that you get to know in this industry, the more you start to, to go, oh, oh, no, everybody's human and everybody's exactly. fighting a war inside their head that yeah. I can't exactly. account for. Yeah, yeah, And that it, this is why I've stopped. Yeah. Like, I just literally use the few bits of social media to mm-hmm. just promote. And then I, I stay away. I stay away because I don't yeah. want to, I've been in this business, you know, forever. And I had these like peaks and valleys where I go, no, no, it's kind of unhealthy to like constantly be online. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at a point where it's like, I've seen it all. I've done it all. And it's very healthy for me to take a step back, take a step back, not utilize it. I'm much more concerned and being happy with like, living a real life. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. not and not viewing our industry through the scope of social media and how people are promoting and stuff. Oh, yeah. Because it does not pertain to reality. And you can't compare yourself to somebody too, especially on social media because it's oh, all exactly. fabricated. It is. All it's the 100%, best part. It's 100%. You're seeing the smallest part of somebody, the smallest window possible. And it's curated oh, yeah. for yeah. you to look at. Mm-hmm. So you exactly. know nothing. It's yeah. for fans, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. So. They say Content. a picture's worth a thousand words, but really, it's only worth a few. <laughs> In porn, it's only worth a few. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You were talking about, like, comparing yourself uh, yeah. to other performers and everything. I've noticed yeah. myself, like, when I first started, I noticed myself doing that a lot. But it was also a motivational factor because I wanted to be like these girls who are very successful or appear to be. And I wanted to emulate that. So, I, you know, I... I did my research, you know, I, I studied them. I, you know, I seen what their it factor was and I was like, okay, what's my it factor then? What am I, what is good for me? That's great that you were like able to individualize it. You're like, okay, this girl has this thing going on, but what do I really, what do I have going on and what do I have to offer? Yeah. That's a good way to compare yourself, I think. Um, and I think it's kind of natural to do that. I just think that you can't, keep comparing yourself based off of like, uh, yeah. you know, what they're getting, everything they're doing and stuff like that. Oh, they're getting that shoot. I want to get that shoot. Da, 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 yeah. da. And even if you do want to get that shoot, you, you know, reach out to that company because you probably get that shoot, especially yeah. if you have a good look and a good presence and all that stuff like that. Like it's really, honestly, networking is the mm-hmm. biggest thing in this industry. A company that I've wanted to work with the most is also one of the most like essentially controversial for you know, girls like us, like trans women. And that is Brazzers. Oh, okay. I wanted to be, I've like wanted to work for them ever since I seen like Cora Del Rio, Emma Rose and Mm -hmm. Daisy Taylor on, on their site. And I was like, I would love to do that. So obviously this was way back, you know, a little after I had just started and I was like, okay, how am I going to get on there? How am I going to get them to notice me? So you know, after I had performed for, you know, Trans Angels and Gender X a couple of times, I was like, okay, I feel confident enough in myself that I could probably reach out and maybe they would respond. Um, they didn't. <laughs> well, now here's the thing, though. The more studio shoots, you yeah. probably already know, yeah, yeah. the more studio shoots you have, the more you become disillusioned as to like what authority oh, is yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so y- you want to work for browsers but you've also you've worked for the like the biggest things that we have you've worked with the trans angels you work for 
uh, probably a litany of sites under the adult time. You've worked mm-hmm. for Groovy. You've worked for huge names. There comes a point where you're like, oh, it's just the same twelve to $1,500, and I'm showing up, and I'm tired, yeah. mm-hmm. and I got to, uh, do I remember that? I can't just, rem- I can't remember that fucking third line. You Literally. Know? <laughs> and, and it's, it's all the same. So whether it's Brazzers or whether it's Angels, it, it's, it's, all, mm-hmm. it's all the same gig. It really and, is. And so, you, you know, at some point, like, I don't recommend anybody, like, purposely becoming jaded. But once you have enough experience, you should realize just how unimportant it really is to go, oh, them, oh, them, mm-hmm. oh, them. You know, you just take the gigs that you can get and you work Honestly. on yourself. Yeah. And whatever comes is gravy because it's still showing up on time, mm-hmm. spending money on a plane ticket, getting tested, you know, working out your schedule. Doing things reaching at the out. 11th hour, reaching out, networking on set. It's all the same gig. I do see the draw, though, to want to do it. And, I, you know, of course, the companies are just making money and they're realizing that they can make money now. So the companies that mm-hmm. weren't shooting trans are now shooting trans. But, like, I feel like um, there's a small part of, like, the girl who wants to work for those companies that's like, you know... I could be part of pushing this thing forward. Yeah. You know, like I can be part of like opening up doors for yeah. more girls and stuff yeah. like that. Um, like when I was doing submissive stuff for Kink, I was one yeah. of the first ones out of like three or four girls. And I was like, oh shit, I hope a lot of girls are able to do this. I hope they open up submissive sites. Of course, they haven't yet because, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, politics or whatever. But politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I completely see what you're saying. Um, I definitely wanted to be like one of those girls who created opportunities for others. And I think that's my like superhero factor in my head. Who's like my, my, what do they call that? A savior's complex. 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 Here's a little bit of that. A little bit of that. Just a little bit. But also I think it's also the recognition is like, you know, pat myself on the back. I got on a, I got, I was one of the few who were able to like get onto this site that is just opening their doors for, you know. Yeah girls like us and it's also putting like girls like us in front of their audiences which is like predominantly like cisgender porn and then like paddling them to it and getting them hooked on it and stuff and yeah in turn and making things better for go ahead and also making them realize that liking trans porn and discovering trans porn is okay. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Opening their minds to understanding that trans porn is not gross. Like, it's hot. Watch it is it. hot. <laughs> Please watch me. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, what's one of the things that you would teach somebody, like, outside of professional, like, sex work uh, that wanted to be a sexual, better sexual partner? Like, what's some advice you'd give them to actually, like you know, make you come or, you know, like have a better experience sexually. You know what I really like about this question is that um, everybody's going to have a different answer Absolutely. because now we're literally talking about your personal preferences and yep. where you come from as a person. So this is yeah. very interesting to hear. I would say if I was to teach somebody how to be a better lover to me personally, because I can't speak for others, but in the things that I like are – not super generic, but they are pretty like, you know, mundane. Like I I'm I'm into the vanilla stuff. Okay. I like I missionary. I like 
I like the passion. I love the romance. I love the chase. It's all it's all about the build up to sex because for me, foreplay. Yeah, it's all about the foreplay for me. Anticipation. The anticipation. Absolutely. But yeah, the whole process leading up to the sex because by that time I'm so turned on. Anything will probably turn me on. You know. Awesome. It's very, you know. Listen to your partner. Listen to like what they want and definitely pay attention to the things that they like, even outside of sex, because you could essentially use that and like be like, okay, well, she's really into like outdoors. I'm going to fuck her against that tree. (laughs) Hell yeah. You're you're actually like landing on a, a bigger conversation, which is like with all things human. Yeah communication yeah My gosh exactly the so underrated everything it really yes is. like it, it, like how are you going to know about somebody without actually communicating with them like don't exactly. think you know everything that's exactly. when you've got a lot to learn like you want you want to turn me on you have to communicate with my girl brain okay absolutely like i think differently than you i'm not so physical i need stimulation mentally yeah absolutely yeah, that's jinx. hot. Uh, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> Whatever. We, we spoke at the same time. Oh. I said jinx. Um, uh, yeah, so I take it that, I mean, we kind of touched on this before, but uh, I'd imagine, based off of what I've heard so far, that maybe some of your more favorite scenes to do do actually incorporate a lot of maybe forward, like, narrative storytelling before the actual act actually happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Don't get me wrong. I do love the gonzo stuff, but I, I'm all about like that foreplay and the lead up to it. It's, you know, like it's just so stimulating. Hell yeah. It's oh, so, yeah. it makes, it makes me tingle all over when, you know, he's touching or they, you know, I'm, I'm of course, yeah. pansexual. Like, don't really care and like whenever they're they are touching me and it's like they touch me in those right places like you know caressing the hips and then touching like you know the shoulder the arm clasping hands together it's like kissing the neck it's like oh my god that is the stuff that gets me going that's the shit that makes me hard okay (laughs) those details matter those Those little details details absolutely matter oh my god a good neck kiss or like a whisper in the ear a lick on the earlobe oh my god God. send shivers up my spine right literally and by that time like i'm just you can if you can pull that off which is by the way so easy and like the i'm like the more trans girls and cis women that i've worked with they they understand that and that's the thing that they do you know yeah. whereas a lot of the times when you're working with men sometimes they don't know they don't know yeah. it <laughs> they don't they just want to get they just want to stick it in and have fun for themselves i feel like there's this thing in like uh especially cisgender porn where the man is like needing to be kind of surly He's kind of to be, he needs to be kind of rude. He's like, take it. Almost. (laughs) I don't get that. That's strictly for the male pleasure. That is like, have you, have you watched female porn? Oh Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like you, it's so different. Uh It It is so different. It really is. It really (laughs) is. It's so much more sensual and like the men actually get it. They know what to do. Yeah. I'm not going to say I don't like those kind of things. Like you can definitely add like choking and biting and stuff for me. Definitely. You know, uh, but Absolutely. It's good to just um, 
let the chemistry flow and have somebody who knows how to hit those erogenous zones and stuff exactly. like that. Like, there, there may be an explanation as to why that is. And you, we have to, like, step back and remember that trans porn is a small portion of the mm-hmm. overall pie. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. in cisgender porn, they have, there's so much more of a talent pool. There's so much more people that are actually seasoned and take their job professionally mm-hmm. just because of the sheer, like, rule of large numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still... I mean, even today, even though, like, we've been legitimized, quote unquote, for a good handful of years, we're still punk rock. We really are, Trans yeah. porn is still very punk rock. And so, and our talent pool is a lot punk smaller. Punk rock in the 60s. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like our porn production has pulled out of the 90s, but yeah, yeah we're right. still very much our, <laughs> punk rock. To say all that is to say that our talent pool, the people that we have to work with that are available to us aren't as seasoned and a lot of them are coming in thinking you know that trans porn is like a niche fetishy thing and it Mm -hmm. is just about you know men leading with their dicks first Mm -hmm. just so that they can you know be a part of our bodies Yeah. yeah you know and so the more i imagine in time the more that we grow the larger the talent pool gets the more seriously people take what we do and take their own career seriously, the more that we're going to be able to enjoy the same kind of scenes, scenarios, real life, you know, and on camera. Oh, yeah. Uh, that will allow us to, like, have things smooth out and, and we will get to enjoy the same kind of experiences that, like, mainstream porn gets yeah. to enjoy. My My huge... You know, my huge wish, my huge like ambition being in this industry is like, and it it may sound very conceited, but it comes from a genuine place. I really want to open doors into mainstream porn for trans women. And I know that sounds a little conceited, like, oh, what does she think she can do? It's like, well, I know myself and I know that I'm determined enough that I feel like I could do it. The good news is, there's a there's a good amount of people that think just like you do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're as far as we are right now. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> of people pushing forward and thinking, what can I do to help? Yeah. My what big- can I help? What can I do to help? You know, and it's not just I'm I'm doing this yeah. to grab a bit of money mm-hmm. and pay for a habit or I'm I'm trying mm-hmm. to like self-validate. It's it becomes less of a selfish endeavor. And you're thinking of that you're absolutely thinking of your career and you're thinking of how you can be as a better performer, but you're keeping um, a a more grand view in mind. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, how what you're doing is going to affect the, the larger community. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a that's not conceited. That is a great way to think. We need people like that. So that we can stand up. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My big thing is like separating fetish away from trans. Like, just like, yeah, that's trans like is not great... the fetish. Like, you know, you exactly. want to do fetish, let's get into some feet, let's get into some rope, yeah. some, all that stuff, you like, know. Trans should <laughs> never have been listed under a fetish, in my opinion. Like, it should never have been associated with the fetish because it's wrong to fetishize people. Like, we don't fetishize. Absolutely. We don't fetishize, like, normal cis women why would we fetishize 
trans women. Yeah, I mean, we have the fetish of like slut and whore and stuff like yeah. that, but I think that's universal. That can be that can be exactly. applied to anybody. But that's, that's, that's rooted in misogyny, sure, but like, you know. But that's built into yeah. the fantasy play. Yeah. No, we're talking yeah. about people being fetishized. Oh, absolutely. It, we see it like we talk as trans people, yeah. but it, it's also very common for like African-American dudes. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Talk about a fetishized oh, yeah. people. Just oh, yeah. people being fetishized. Yeah, the whole just the size of the penis and like the, the skin color and stuff. Like I, I try to talk to every girl who says that BBC shit. I'm like, hey, girl, it's just a big dick. It They're a have, person, yeah. yeah. It's just a big dick. Like you don't have to market it as interracial. Yeah, and I feel like those those things go hand in hand with each other. You know, more people who are under that sort of umbrella, you know, the fetish umbrella mm. like that, if if they're uncomfortable with it or if it makes them, you know, want to see change in that, I feel like all of us need to like group together, you know? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because like we're all kind of on the front front lines of it. Like we're the people that see, you know, these things when they look them up, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we say, hey, you know, that's not, that's not really what it is here. Like, mm-hmm. and that's not really what you should be looking for. I just want to see everyone happy. <laughs> right. Yeah, everyone, right. Eat, you know, treated equal. Yeah. And it like, everybody needs to eat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now you and I got to speak a little bit beforehand before we started rolling tape and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this would be a perfect opportunity to talk about something that I know that you're passionate about. And that is like health, and healthcare services. Oh yeah. Across oh. the like, I, I wanted you to say before the podcast. So if you could kind of lean into that and oh, yeah. tell us what you what your thoughts are. Yeah, exactly. So like, obviously, I've you know revealed that I'm moving to Vegas around August. Um, so excited for that, by the way. <laughs> um, Can't wait to have you. But one of my concerns is like, what is the healthcare out here like for trans women? Oh. Um- so we actually have a pretty good uh, LGBTQ center that has like, um, it's called the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not only serving trans women, of course, uh, the whole uh, umbrella of the, you know, LGBTQ uh, IA plus. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, they have all kinds of services there. Very comprehensive. T- contra- comp- comprehensive. Testing <laughs> and stuff like that with swabs and everything uh-huh. that don't. And I'm not anything, I'm not knocking uh, the industries, testing things, of course, because we got the windows, the turnaround windows and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that usually yank the price up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they're very affordable for the whole comprehensive test and then the swabs and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they have, uh, they recommend resources for hormones and all that stuff. Like, I'm actually, as long as you have a decent... Um, uh, insurance plan. Okay, yeah. Uh, you can get an endocrinologist, but the waiting list out here are like kind of. Yeah. Uh, I I had I had I was supposed to have an appointment in uh, January, February, March, in March, and they actually didn't have me scheduled, so they pushed me back to August. Oh, really? And I was like, well, fuck. I'm just gonna have to go back on gray market, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I want to definitely get back on an endo endo because um. That's how I started out first. Um, and yeah, they do have too. the options out here. Yeah. yeah. Like I have an endocrinologist. I would rather keep my endocrinologist, but I know that moving here, that's probably, you know, that's probably not something that can happen unless, you know, I fly back there for all of my appointments and I would have to keep my same insurance, which doesn't make sense to if I'm living in a different state. Right. Um, but like, 
I'm so, I have such anxiety about like having to stop my hormones. Oh God. Like it's, it's like almost debilitating. Like whenever I am like close to running out, I'm on the phone with the fucking, you know, pharmacy being like, hey, I need these refilled. Please, please. Can you refill them? Please. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, it's, it's pretty bad. And being on it for so long, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to have to stop, like what, what's going to happen? Like I've had to stop before when I was younger, when I was about maybe I started my transition around like 16 and a half, 17. And, um, around when I was like 19 turning 20, there was a time when, um, I didn't really have a job. I didn't have a car. I was living out with a friend and I was on hormones, but I couldn't get access to a ride to visit my endocrinologist so they can write me a new script, you know, for, you know, check my levels and everything, make sure I'm still good. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having, like, I couldn't get to them. They were an hour and a half away. So it was really terrifying because I had to wait for, I think it was like a month and a half. I went without hormones. And I know that probably doesn't sound like a long time, but it was literally probably the worst month and a half of my entire life just watching all the progress that I had made melt away is what I felt like, you know? Yeah, that anxiety is rough. I get it. Fortunately, with hormones, as long as you've been on like a like a good like, I think it's um, that's a it's a few years. I think as long as you've been on a number of years and you have uh, um, progress, the only thing that goes away is your fat redistribution. Yeah, like everything else that you've made uh, progress and stays. Like your tits don't like not. They stop developing, but they don't still go backwards. <laughs> yeah, they don't go backwards. And of course, you know, being a trans person, it's it's a lot of it's all mental, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that doesn't go away at all. You know, I've mm-hmm. actually been off of hormones for two years, and I'm just getting back on, um, mm-hmm. and just pretty much out of uh, uh, COVID, couldn't get a hold of them, and then they discontinued some of the things and stuff. But that's all personal stuff. But yeah. Um, getting back on them though, it feels really good. So I can, I can totally relate to what you mean being off for a month. And I can also relate to having to travel a distance to get to your endocrinologist. Because when I started, I was in a small town in North Texas and I had to go two hours to DFW to mm-hmm. go <laughs> get my endo. Yeah. And like my grandparents were like taking me. <laughs> so yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, it was something. <laughs> it's it's really hard. It really is. And it's I don't there it's just really hard. I can't think of any other words to describe it other than it's literally debilitating. It's like when that fucking ring goes off, you're just like I got to do it and I don't really give a fuck what it's going to take, mm-hmm. you know, cuz it's I'm not going to be happy this way, so I got to find yeah. happiness. So like that's one of the things that if I am like, which I am, I'm going to be moving down here, but like, I'm going to have to like, get a hold of them beforehand, like get in contact with the endos out here and be like, Hey, I'm moving to you guys in like some odd months. Is there any way that I can get scheduled for around the time that I arrive so that I can, you know, be seen and evaluated and get on hormones? I'd recommend that you contact them as soon as possible because there's a wait list. Yeah. So yeah, 
Yeah, uh, essentially. Just for new patients, not for like transgender in general, but just like yeah, new patients. New patients, yeah. Yeah, essentially it's just going to be a lot of phone tag and mm-hmm. a little bit of waiting and yeah. maybe not getting things exactly how you're used to having them. Yeah. But once you're here, mm-hmm. and things will smooth out within just a matter of months and you'll be right on track. Yeah. Everything will turn out. You, just, you know, that due diligence of... <sighs> The boring, mundane, calling people yeah. and waiting and waiting. But that, once it's all done, you look back on it, you'll feel an- like anxious in the moment. You mm-hmm. feel like the world is falling apart. And then when it's all done, you'll look back and you won't even remember the months it took you to get it all smoothed out. It'll be just fine. Yeah. I promise. You'll be okay. Okay. Yeah. And you're, I mean, that's reassuring. <laughs> and you're still like super young. So, like, you still got yeah. plenty of time to progress off of HRT and stuff. Yeah. Not that you, I don't think you ever really stop because I've seen girls who are like, you know, older, uh, like uh, later transitioners. And when they get on hormones, like, you know, six months and a year later, these girls start. There have been out. times in my life where I've just dropped out for six months. There have been times in my life where I just couldn't make ends meet and I just had to let a couple months go by. It's all fine. I'm still here. I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still, mm-hmm. it's, it's, everything's cool. Yeah. yeah. You just have to you know, ride out the rough spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, a disclaimer, the thing I'm about to say for the listening audience, especially new girls coming up, I don't endorse this. This is a thing that worked for me personally in my life. Um, and I come from a slightly different age, but I stockpile gray market mm-hmm. material. Yeah. So if there's, if I ever run into a problem, I know I can take care of myself. I have no pro. I have no problem sticking myself with needles. I, mm-hmm. you know, no I know specific every- addresses, <laughs> not <laughs> magazines with addresses on them. Right, um. right, right. Uh, yeah, I do a, a lot of gray market stuff, and I won't go into those details because I don't want to give anybody. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to give anybody yeah. any kind of false information or lead them down weird roads. Yeah, but over just outside of the camera in my cabinet. I have safety measures is what I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just that due diligence of taking care of yourself. So long as yeah. you're moving forward and you're just going through the bullshit and going through the hoops that we have to dive through mm-hmm. and you do it, it's okay. It's like anything else. You put in a little bit of effort, you'll make things work fine. Exactly. Just, yeah. yeah. And that's actually an interesting point that you bring up like self-medicating because I did do that when I first started my transition back when I was like 16, like I would order my pills that they came in like, you know, you know, just the typical like estrogen pills. They came in a little tin thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, when I was working as a cashier at a restaurant, I, that's, you know, I would like have to ask my mom, be like, Hey, can you buy this for me? And, um, reluctantly, she she did because I was like, you know, very distraught about it to the right. point where it was like, she was actually worried about me. She's like, okay. So she did. And she knew it was going to be a while before I seen an endocrinologist. And, you know, she was more concerned about my well being than she was with her own beliefs, which I really That's appreciate. Fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not um, common enough. Honestly, too many people let their personal beliefs and all that shit get caught up in people's well-being and health and happiness and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Especially when it's not affecting them at fucking all. Literally. Yeah. Like, I was the one paying for it, you know? Yeah. I, I basically took care of myself, you know, in that aspect. 
So humble beginnings, you know, you get to look back on this and this is part of your story. And it's, you know, uh, so many of us that are trans, I mean, we have very similar stories. Mm -hmm. Now we're kind of coming up to the uh, bleeding edge of the podcast. So (laughs) what I know time flies. That's how you know you're having a good conversation. Right. (laughs) Uh, But to kind of put a bow on it, I'm going to come out of fucking left field here and ask you. Now, you've been in the industry for how many years? Um, professionally, this is, will be my second. Okay, second year. But you have a lot of work under your belt. Yeah. So what I'm going to ask you for people that are listening, especially, I keep saying this, new folks in the industry that might be catching this podcast, mm-hmm. if you had three bits of advice, as quick as you can, mm-hmm. <laughs> under under the gun now, you're okay. under pressure. Okay. <laughs> Three bits of solid advice that you live by right now as a person in the industry that you could mm-hmm. give to other people that are just coming up, mm-hmm. what would those things be? Um, manage yourself and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to accept criticism because there will be a lot of it. And especially if you're working in a professional setting, like under a you know, uh, like groupie, like a, like a studio shoot, like be a, a willing to accept criticism and take that and learn from it. And, uh, if you're not really a per- people person, this industry isn't for you. So sorry. Yeah. Um, you have to, you be able, you have to be good with people and be good with your scene partners. That's fantastic advice. I love it. Yeah. That, all of that rings true. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let me go ahead and wrap this up this has been fucking amazing i again i am so glad that you came to be on the show me too i I love that we got to work together previously i know that we're gonna you're moving here we're gonna cross paths many times in the future oh yeah definitely i'm super stoked for the future thank you so much for coming through yeah i had such a great time fucking a i love it so uh with that being said uh asia bell everybody all right this is the approximate (laughs) podcast and we'll see you next time for another Approximate podcast.